Co-host and co-creator uh, Taryn O'Reilly is not here for this one, but he will be back in others. Instead, we have two incredible, incredible guests that I'm so fucking stoked to have here. Uh, first off, the immortal, the classic uh, John Shakota, uh, JC, as he is known in certain circles as well. Say hello, JC. Hello, world. I like how you have to bend into the mic. We can hear you. It's a mic. <laughs> and this is how mics work. Hello, world. Uh, he is, he is, you may have caught some of his uh, video contributions and writing contributions on Pop Matters as well. And speaking of, the newest member to the PM crew, uh, John Harvey. John Harvey, a savage musician, engineer, as well as a, a fantastic and uh, budding writer. I'm so excited. He's written some great stuff for us so far. He is the one person I go to to talk about Flaming Lips things because... Hand back, i.e. when you said back super excited couldn't wait right i if, they, if there's anything to to rate and chart and put into meaningless order it's back <laughs> you're, yeah you're damn fucking right and so for those of you who are listening for the first time which at this point when i record this i assume is a lot of you uh the chartographers the whole point of this is that we want to take uh this is based off of a uh, podcast i do with the group film enthusiasts as well fantastic check out filmthusiasts.com for more i've done quite a few podcasts over there where we do this final cut thing where we rank filmographies or a certain type of like a you know franchise or whatever in order of how good they are and we want to do that with music and music as we know unlike mere movies music as we know is much more personal and much more so what it is is that we are going to rank a discography of any given artist any week it could be Led Zeppelin it could be Britney Spears you don't know uh and this week we are doing Beck we are going to go ahead and do Beck Hansen for those of you who don't know, the not John Beck. Wait, not John Beck, the guitarist? Well, oh, fuck, guys. 2008's most difficult to Google person because of Glenn Beck? Yeah. <laughs> that Beck. <laughs> Glenn Beck, you... Yes, you really God. made... God, God, God Beck, you Glenn Emperor. You really plagued my Google News feed. So... so <laughs> not, not the Beck. Weirdly enough, Loser came up a lot during that time, too. Yeah, uh, anywho, but... Uh, so the whole point here is that we're going to do it. Now, when we talk about the ranking, we want to do... a, a fairly definitive ranking but here's the thing we're three guys with amazing opinions i am of course correct but uh if we get to the point where we have a disagreement we want to talk about it. we want to suss it out and there are times where because there's three of us here two people might be like well you know what i think that uh led zeppelin 3 is the best zeppelin album and if two people agree with it and john harvey's like fuck you, you it's led zeppelin 4 uh we'd move on because we've definitively decided on that one there so it's a matter of give and take and more importantly and uh, guys i think we can all do this um, we have in our head probably the idea of what the number one album is. We may not know what it is. We de definitely haven't shared it with each other. Uh, but potentially we will, uh, we, we can at least concede a little bit there. Like we can understand like maybe like we don't have to be stringently heels dug in, except in certain cases, right? Maybe. I'm getting a lot of smirk from John Harvey testy, over here. I think. Exactly, yeah. cool. So um, before we do anything, let's get this shit out of the way first. When it comes to the Beck discography, there is a qualification that we need to have on there of what albums we include. Uh, now clearly there are, I would say, the ten main albums, which include... Uh, uh, Mellow Gold, which include, or sorry, the nine main albums, yeah, Mel Mellow Gold, Odelay, Mutations, Midnight Vulture, Sea Change, Wero, The Information, Modern Guilt, and Morning Phase. He has a lot of various associated singles, but we're not talking about those. The real question is, that other shit in between, because back, for those of you who aren't on the jiggy with this, uh, that is a phrase that we're going to be using a lot during this podcast, uh, back, he, after he signed his big, big deal with uh, DGC slash Geffen back in the day, uh, part of one of the clauses in his contract was that hey you are allowed to make other independent albums if you want to if they're uncommercial which he absolutely used uh there was uh one foot in the grave which came out in 1994 kind of his more rustic -y, folky kind of country-ish kind of thing and of course there was stereopathic soul manure which is a whole bunch of shit that he threw together and called it an album and does mutations i mean I it's the main one kind of falls into that category yes because it, it, that was going to be released yes. wasn't on k records i think it is a k records one uh, david, no it was david, going to david geffen hijacked it and, yeah. and released it as a as, big mainstream as his album as follow up to Odelay, which was not the original intention 
Right. And honestly, I think to a degree, it was probably a little bit liberating for this to be the next official quote-unquote Beck album. Because for them, it must have been like, it, it kind of set up an expectation not everything's going to sound like Odelay motherfuckers. Like, that's kind of, that's mm-hmm. kind of, that, I think that was kind of helpful in that degree, potentially. Especially with the transition that comes to you going from Odelay into Midnight Vultures, just anything to like, let you know, like, okay, this is... It's the first sign that everything this guy is going to do is going to be different, right. incredibly different than the next thing. Right. So, um, as such, uh, first off, I think it goes without saying we're not going to count Werolito, the remix album that he did after Werolito no, in 2000, 2006. Uh, so the real question is, guys, do we count One Foot in the Grave and Stereopathic Soul Manure? I would count I One yes. Foot in the Grave without a doubt. With I, I say both. Okay, we want to do both. I say even include uh, Golden Feelings. Now that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock, I'm gonna like, say no to Golden Feelings. My only, my only beef with Golden Feelings, is it's, it's just such a, it's a, basically a mixtape of an album. It's like not, it's just a bunch of stuff flying around. But between that and Stereopathic, just a lot of skits, which throws me <laughs> off. It's like more skits than you'd find on like a mid '90s rap album or a Kanye West <laughs> album. There's just, there's so many skits that it kind of throws off the whole. My whole view of it is an album. Broke five broke. Uh, so uh, I think we should include it. I I'm going to say no. Uh, just because wow. I have a feeling in terms of the starting place of what he is as an artist, I feel like Golden Feelings is barely. It's so often discounted in most people's acclamations of their discography that it's like barely even. It's it's almost like the Velvet Underground squeeze. Which is an album that was released post Lou Reed that when Doug Yule took over and no one counts it as part of the what the Velvet Underground are to a degree because it's just such a bastardized version of it. There. One foot on the grave, on the other hand, is if we were debating, I'm not. I know if we got the list. I as a personal favorite is one of my favorite. I it would probably be it would easily be a top five for me in that aspect just because it is one of the most amazingly just stripped down, uh, stripped down folk albums, super non pretentious. It's just, it almost, just him. It's it, it's 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 very traditional. It's a uh-huh. very very traditional folk album. It almost sounds like a like a seventy eight record or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you know, it, it sounds like it's from another galaxy. It sounds like a regional record that somehow just happened to get like a national release. Like exactly. you find it in a local vinyl bin. The Woody Guthrie quality of it is so prominent. Yeah. Which is what I love about it. It's very. It, yeah, it's very personal. Well, the thing that I think is fucked up most of all is that, let's not forget, I believe it was on American 3, Johnny Cash actually did a cover of a country indie Beck song, but it was off of, Robo off of fucking Stereopathic is what he wound up covering for a Johnny Cash album. Which I would which love is... to imagine Johnny Cash listening to the other tracks yeah. on that. Like, I wonder if he just somebody just showed him Robo or if he was like listening to And he was talking to... in the studio with Rick Rubin, what if we did Satan Gave Me a Taco? No, Johnny, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. I want to do Satan Gave Me so a Taco. Are we including stereopathic soul we manure? are including we stereopathic are including soul manure so let's just real quickly before we start getting into it all the 1994 albums uh, stereopathic soul manure his debut uh, major label set mellow gold and one foot in the grave 1996 is old late 98 mutations 1999's midnight vultures 2002 sea change 2005's Wero, 2006 is the information 2008's modern guilt and 2014's morning phase all right guys so here's what we're gonna do uh, we're going to start with number 11 on our no, no 11 album countdown in terms of quality Beck albums. Guys, what is the worst Beck album? And now I have I have a feeling that this might be changing here. I'm just tossing the game up right now. Guys, I think our number 11 album should be 2014's Grammy-winning album of the year pick, Morning Phase. You know, that's a, that's a, I wasn't even thinking about that before <laughs> going into it. Right. But I might agree. <laughs> that's no, I know. Uh, yeah. C- coming into this, I was going to say Golden Feelings, but since that's been disqualified, I think just by virtue of it being the yeah. most recent Beck album. I mean, some great ones. Uh, I, I just. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's say I love I love Wave. Wave is incredible. Yes, I would 100% um, agree. Hard as, a, hard as a drum. Awesome. Other than that, I kind of don't go back to much on that. Yeah, and it's weird because a lot of people, when that album came out, it got some of the best reviews of his fucking career. But, like, literally oh. for someone, for Sea Change, his big breakup album, which had the sweeping strings and everything there, a beautiful emotive thing that we're going to talk about, I have a feeling, much later on in the podcast, uh, Morning Phase is that same group of musicians doing that same kind of a song yes. again. And, guys... Uh, sad back mode. It is sad back mode, and it's not as good. Uh, it's, it's also not as personal. That's right. the thing... 
I think that's that, what made sea change work because there was just a gut punch kind of a feeling that goes on. Right. I think when you go to an album like One Foot in the Grave, even though there's some kind of silly out there songs like, like Painted Islands or just a guy running through a, a wasteland, you still um, like still asshole. I still feel like mm -hmm. feels like a more personal song than most of what you would find on uh, on Morning Phase. Yeah. JC. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um... Cool. <laughs> Great. Yeah, this is why we brought JC in for that kind of incisive, cutting commentary. It's right there. I mean, you know, it's it it like we said, it's it's sad Beck mode, mm -hmm. and it's pretty much all sad Beck mode. Right. So and, you and for me for, for me, I like my sad Beck in small doses. <laughs> right. Which Fair. later we might be having another. Yes. Argument mm -hmm. about the other Sad Beck album. Yeah. There's a certain cast of Sad Beck albums. Lower on my list All than right. some others, so. In that case, let's. Um, I mean, we have a lot to get through, so I'm more than happy to do it. Guys, number 11, Morning Phase. His most. His uh, album of the year winner at the Grammys, FYI. Beyonce should have won. So, uh, um, let's let's go into here. Now, I, I, I threw out my number 11. JC, number 10 on the list. What do, what do you nominate? John Harvey, if you have one that you want to toss out there, feel free. I'm going to let JC take this one. I know. I, I want to see what he goes for. Yeah. This is tough because um, I recently re-listened to Stereopathic Soul Manure for the first time in about 10 years. It does have Satan and Gave Me a Taco. It's great. It does song. have Satan Gave Me a Taco, which which might be his greatest song about Satan giving giving him a taco. <laughs> my, uh, Satan um, Giving Taco songs, number one, easily. You know, You know, and I don't think my 17-year-old uh, brain could really process that album, but I actually think much... I, I feel much better about that album now than I did back then. Mm -hmm. So, this may come as a surprise, but I'm going to say Mellow Gold. Oh, uh, this is maybe where we gang up on JC. <laughs> I'm going to go with the information. I'm not sure if you saw the length of this mp3 for this podcast it's it's nine hours long because of what happened just now um, we are at odds okay let's just talk about those albums individually for a little bit so mellow gold was his first one uh if you look at the spins the alternative history of popular music uh they have this great article about beck talking about how he used to do his early coffee house gigs that usually ended up in break dancing uh followed by the phrase uh genius was not immediately apparent uh, and I think it's very true but Mellow Gold uh, the one that a lot of people probably know for his breakthrough song Loser uh, it was it was definitely it was a, it was a transcendental thing because it really was the such an ultra outsider weirdo song that gained such mainstream acceptance and when people bought the album guess what there's a whole shit ton of weird that gets dropped in the middle there I think also to, to use that insanely endlessly quoted spin quote yeah. about like the consolation prize which to Kurt Cobain which I hate that part but I do still believe the point is is that he kind of that mellow gold and loser kind of represents like this dying off of grunge and going into all this weirder stuff. It's all very heavy alternative, and I think it's kind of like, oh well, Kurt's dead, and now we got this kind of goofy guy <laughs> rapping over his sitar. Yeah, and well, I think everything else kind of becomes a little bit weirder after that in the nineties too. Walking on splinters. That's yeah. part of the reason why I don't think it maybe holds up quite as well. I mean, loser is just loser, so locked in the nineties. Well, loser, it's loser is obviously very iconic. Yeah. I mean, well, it's one of the great singles of the 90s, and probably, I mean, it's, all text, it's well, it's certainly important Yeah. Um, in terms of and, it being an independent and song. And I would argue there are other great songs out there. Uh, there is, of course, uh, uh, Beer Can. I love I, Beer well, Can also, a lot. Uh, I love Beer Can. One of my favorite songs, Soul Sucking Jerk. Mm. The, the genre of song, uh, the uh, I hate work genre <laughs> of song is totally, there, need, there needs to be more songs about hating work. Blink-182 and Beck can't be the only people right. capitalizing on uh, on this genre. But I know I, too many of my favorite songs. I love, even though it's like a really, even though it's a really basic three chord, I love uh, Fucking With My Head. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great uh, segue from Loser. Uh, what's the, what's the closer? Uh, oh, it's uh, Black Hole? Black, black uh, yeah, Black. Whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah black, Supernova, I can't remember. That's the one off... Uh, it's the one off of... Hey, guys, uh, we're going to totally cheat and check at things. Black Hole, yeah, Black totally Hole. right. Black yeah. Hole yeah. is one of my favorite back closers. Yeah. Motherfucker. Uh-huh. Motherfucker. Nightmare. Hip. Too, ma too many... Too many... I yeah. do really like Pay No Mind. Yeah, but then you also but, have truck but, driving neighbors downstairs. 
uh, Steal My Body Home, which is a great song title mm. and not as memorable a song. I just feel like the album is really front-loaded. Yeah. For, for me All right okay so uh, i mean but that so that's that album there it's iconic as own way let's talk a bit about the information which was uh <laughs> definitely definitely a, a different kind of thing there now let's not forget the information uh that was 2006 that was hot off the heels of Wero, just kind of a surprise release you have stickers on the album cover which of course i love but uh <laughs> there was also one i remember uh it wasn't it cell phones dead was the first song leaked from that uh, and it was just kind of a, much as how, like, Wero, before we talk about information, we need to talk about Wero, because after Odelay came out, after this mishmash amalgam album, uh, which is, you know, produced by the Dust Brothers and just bend, bended the idea of genre into such weird and unusual shapes that it just is, it was hard to anything to come out of it. He never really gave people in many ways that same satisfying Here's the follow-up to Odelay thing. Midnight Vultures kind of did, but it was also Midnight Vultures is in its own universe, and we'll talk about that later. But for and I think for a lot of people, Rero was legitimately the hey, you want a fucking uh, sequel to Odelay? Here it is. The Dust Brothers. Exactly. He got with the Dust Brothers again, and then he immediately followed it up with the information, which is kind of like the dark underside of that same album, which is kind of like it's still kind of clanking around in terms of rattly sounds there, but it's also had a little bit more of a kind of a soulful kind of a through line. I I think also Wero is also is also very Los Angeles. I feel like when you listen yep. to those tones, a lot of the like the fake and real horns uh, going around, they're like just in, in, and AK on the Wero. Yeah. Like all these like uh, all these. Michael I th- Bolton. I think like o- Odalay. I feel like still is like still really breaches out to the other genres, whereas I feel like Wero just was more about that centralized LA sound. Mm-hmm. So so the information then, if, if Wero is the LA album. Where does the information? What is the information to you, John Harvey? That becomes, that's weird because I feel like the information at first, Modern Guilt, I feel like is what he the one he released after that. I feel like w- hit the mark more of what the information was kind of trying to go for in a sense. Like I feel like the, the commentary. I completely on, disagree. <laughs> I don't mean like tonally. I mean like 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 lyric lyric subject matter. Like yeah. I feel like oh, it's like trying to talk about a relationship with technology. And I feel like he doesn't really actually make statements on that. Yeah, I, and it's weird because I feel like there's kind of a pop sense to yeah. uh, information still. Like, it's dark and weird in some way, but I think I'm in love. You think about nausea. Mm. I think about there are kind of a little bit more mainstream concessiony lyrics mm-hmm. on that one there, which is interesting. But, JC, you want to talk a lot about this. Go. Okay, well. <laughs> y'all, pre- y'all are wrong. Be, Fuck all Be y'all. prepared to duck and cover because the information is actually in my top five. All right. I have information at number four on my list. Uh-huh. Um, His personal list. And let me tell you why. <laughs> um, to me, you know... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell you why. Long it's, silence. It's just, it's just it's, you know, it's so hard to distill. Yeah. Um, day still? Day still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like freezing on the mic. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. It's just all right. So JC had a lot of insight to say about that. Now let's put it this way: What are your favorite songs off the information? Oh, I, th- I think I'm in love. Soldier Jane. Uh-huh. Um, the horrible fanfare. Um, New yeah. round. I wound up liking a lot. It's just more the straightforward kind of kind of a ballad that he had on there. And then it's weird because this is an album too where he did something he hadn't tried before where he began looping melodies back into themselves because the entire back the entire last third of the album is reiterations of melodies from earlier in the album too because then there's that whole horrible fanfare last thing like every all of that movie theme it all ties together with melodies that you've already heard in the on the A side so which is kind of a nice thing but the only thing is that I don't necessarily know what it accomplishes that's that's like my only that's my only immediate pushback that I have on there. Well, I, I think you know Beck was, you know he was kind of he had a radical. I think in some ways it's his most ambitious album in the sense that it really is just information. I mean I think he he thought of that album as something that people would put together themselves, right down to the cover art being just a blank, um, you like know, grid paper. Uh, yeah, yeah, grid paper that you put stickers on. Um, you know, for, for instance, movie theme is the second to last track on that album. Uh-huh. But if you so desire and you want to mix it up, you can make it the first track on the album. In some ways, that could set up the whole thing. So you thought it was more it, like of a playlist album than it, it was is an kind album of a playlist proper. album. And that yeah. was, you know, if you recall, that that album came with a, a DVD. Yes, of, they do. Of, of videos and you know they were not. Very well, good. they they were they were very lo-fi. Yeah. You know. I think they rented a mansion for a day. Guys, we're going to film all the music videos right now. 
But I think what he was going for, that was when YouTube kind of first blew up. Uh, YouTube I, blew up in the 80s, though, so I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. I felt like that was the whole... That, yeah. The whole thing, MTV. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I just... I, I just... Uh, other than... I like Soldier Jane uh, and uh, Think I'm in Love, but I think a lot of it's just... She's kind of dull. Like if you if you told me, hey, uh, my favorite song is No Complaints by Beck, I wouldn't know how the melody goes on that. Just I also th- also my other favorite one is the Horrible Fanfare, which is more of an interesting experiment than I find as like an enjoyable music experience. Like it it, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a. I mean, it's, it's it's just more of like a it's more of like just kind of like an you know, experience. You know what? Is a... You know what I think I would define it as? This was Beck's Get Behind Me, Satan. Kind of his like slightly except I don't really deviated. like it behind the I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's almost like his kind of like deviation from the norm of like I I think I know what people are expecting of me, so here's what I think I'm going how I'm going to divert expectations. Well, I, I think in some ways it was his most ambitious album. Okay. I mean, well, in the in the sense that you know he was still pushing boundaries. Yeah. Um. You know. So, uh, hmm. now, guy, this is a tough part because we're I think we're at an impasse right now in terms of what's going to happen here. Uh, because I'm just honestly trying to remember how most of these sound, and I just listened to this last week. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I would say, since if I had my druthers on, I'm, I'm going to change my vote though from Mellow Gold to Modern Guilt. I actually forgot Modern Guilt was an album, okay. so that's why. <laughs> so that's why I said Mellow Gold. Yeah. Um, so we, we can throw. I mean, if we're debating on that, if we're, if we can always throw Wero at the end. Anybody? I, can, I can't. I can't throw air. I can't throw Wero. At I the just end. don't. I got the, it. Yeah. Here's my here's my, here's, my, here's what my gut is saying there because again much if we keep in mind John Harvey some of our babies are gonna die along the way. This well, is, this we're is about we... to maybe do our cancel out vote and we may have to cancel out Jason <laughs> on the information. Yeah. Well, here here's 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 my thing that I'm gonna do because I think we talked about this a little bit and I'm kind of leaning towards that way around. If we put if we have Morning Face at number eleven, and we put the information at number ten, I would be okay with putting Mellow Gold at number nine. That's that's how that's I, uh, information yeah. over my dead body. Hello, <laughs> I would. I, I just don't agree. I mean, I'd prefer to put. It's his, it's his, it's his nine, most criminally underrated album. Yeah. In my in my opinion. Okay. So John Harvey, do we do we lock in? Or so I think we lock in. Uh, uh, so it's okay. It's okay though I'm because sorry, this I'm is. Sorry, Beck. I <laughs> Beck, I tried. <laughs> I tried, Beck. I tried so hard. Uh, now th- that being said, I just said that um, I would actually be okay with Mellow Gold going into the number nine slot. But do we have differing opinions on that? Um, I mean, I, I think this one, this may be where I get canceled out. I just think that Mellow Gold is a much stronger album than Wero. Okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit about Wero then. Um, so Wero is, of course, the one uh, where, again, this, as we mentioned before, it was the, you know, probably the last time he actually had uh, notable radio hits uh, mm-hmm. off of an album, too, because Girl. he had Epro, he had Girl. Uh, amazing songs, by the way. He suffered a back injury from the filming of the Epro video that he never kind of really recovered from, which somewhat inspired uh, Morning which, Phase. Uh, which, which means is... he lost, would that make two albums we lost to back <laughs> injuries? Because <laughs> he gave up on another one in between, uh, yeah. in between Morning Phase, which I actually really loved the single. Oh, between yeah. uh, like leading up to there. Yeah, uh, I was actually just playing them for you. There was Gimme, and there was. Uh, so what's this amazing uh, one? Uh, it must be. Oh, what the I fuck won't be long. Oh, yeah, it won't be long. Yeah, is a great. Yeah, one. that was. I hundred percent, thousand percent agree. Um, Are we so, including song reader in this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, JC, what song reader do remind except our except audience? It's, it's, yeah. my, it's my version of song reader, <laughs> where it's all done through farts, <laughs> done through auto tune. It's all, it's completely different. It's all the songs. Don't worry about it. Uh, there. So, Wero, um, here's the thing. We think about uh, Epro, we think about Girl, which are fantastic. But also, um, I just felt like in many ways it was kind of an obligation to a degree of him kind of going back to that uh, Odelay sound. But damn, I mean, I still think about Black Tambourine. I think about the weird Christina Ricci featuring song Hell Yes. And, of course, uh, Rental Car, which has, of course, one of the best uh, breakdowns he ever did, which uh, turned into a Jewish singing duo, the Berry Sisters, as the sample source on that one. I discovered that on the random. But, uh, yeah. I feel like it's just uh, overall, as much as people just kind of think of like... one thing people don't realize, um, Jack White plays bass on... Where is it? Which one? Uh, Go to Alone? Uh, yeah, Jack White plays it on either... Uh, on Go, I, Yeah, on Go It Alone? I'm looking yeah. this up. All right, he's gonna, we're, we're going to get I'm some at, hot Google action, guys. Get ready. Strap your boners in. I, I, I like Wero a lot. I mean, I like I like all Beck albums a lot. Let's yeah. let's make that clear. I mean, even yeah, Morning I mean that's phase, why we're having this podcast in the first place. Yeah, even Morning Phase is 
you know, better than most of what you're going to listen to uh-huh. for me. Yeah. Um, my misgivings about Wero, I really like the album. I think it's good, but I, I honestly think, you know, he played it a little safe. I mean, it is it is Olay too, right? And I, there was and one rev- there was one review about that breakdown of the Berry Sisters and Rental Car, which I talked about the expected unexpected breakdown that happens in there, which I think is true. He was almost playing to, he was almost playing a role to a degree. I just I still found it satisfying, but I'm not going to discount the album necessarily just because he's kind of doing an obli- obligation. Which song was it? Um, um, no, no, actually, I was going to say, uh, shit, I, I blank I blanked out on this. You're talking. Oh, pulled the old JC. Oh yeah, but the JC, which in similar to what JC was talking <laughs> about, uh, I feel like while I, I love the majority, I like I love the majority of the songs on Wero. It's just that I find I don't think the highs are as high as you'll find. Whereas this is why I'm trying to debate between Mellow Gold. Whereas maybe okay. you could say Wero might have more A stronger s- overall. Overall, I just think that the highs on Mellow Gold get higher than the highs on Wero. Okay, so that that's an interesting take to handle. So that being said, okay, so we have the if we have all of that in mind, then if we go back to it, there, what guys should our number nine album be? And it was going on. So yeah. we we came to the conclusion it was Modern Guilt, then the information, whoa, 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 whoa. which is wrong, <laughs> or not Modern Guilt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mellow, our, well, he's our, arguing right now Mellow Gold I versus Wero. I guess I well for doing that, I guess I would have to put modern guilt after the information if that's what we're doing but we still need to talk a little bit about modern guilt okay well let's talk about i confuse morning phase with modern guilt sorry totally those m's yeah but uh modern modern guilt was in because that was his uh i think john harvey and i having this debate about danger mouse as a producer because first you think about beck and danger mouse together holy shit that sounds amazing and then they give this kind of gritty moody kind of like uh you know, 70s New York, black jean, boot cut kind of thing mm-hmm. that's going on. I don't know why that's the imagery Which that comes actually, to mind. Which actually, in a yeah. weird way, though, I think that uh, Modern Guilt maybe is actually like one of his second most personal albums. Like, you wouldn't, mm-hmm. like, uh, actually in terms of relating the lyrics back to himself. Yeah. Well, he wound up, he, uh, the lead single on that was Chemtrails, which was this moodier kind of brooding kind of thing that happened on there. But then he also have Profanity Fairs on Volcano. Um, I think uh, Youthless is his fucking most underrated song on there I, my, oh, that is a badass fucking rock I also agree my, my opinion for underrated song would be Replica oh yeah Replica oh yeah I think Replica is an under, yeah. one of the underrated Beck songs ever just the weird I think that really throws back to his Odalay period the drum programming going on that it's like really in a weird way such a throwback yeah. to what he used to do Cool. Yeah, and, and and it's one of those things where I still think, weirdly enough, this is one of the worst opening stretches. I have a feeling because I don't think fondly of orphans or gamma ray. Those don't do a lot. I for used me. to love gamma ray, and then after I think it's because it was kind of early on and getting to know back, mm-hmm. getting to know back. And so, like, I used to love it, and going back, you're totally right. It just doesn't hold up. It consi- right, it's, it's like, like moody, inter- moody, moody. It's like, not as yeah. interesting as any of the other stuff that he did. It's actually in probably the safest song he ever recorded, definitely as a single. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so it's just, and I, 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 I could appreciate what he was going for. I just feel like there's more, but that's an album where I feel like less so than the actual tone as much as I feel like there are gems on there. I'm not sure in terms of, like, a satisfying album experience that we mm-hmm. have that's 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 my push on there so and also we talked oh, about my la- the it. last time either i me or you ever enjoyed a danger mouse production album. because because he's a shitty rock producer let's just get that out there danger mouse sucks at producing rock songs i understand that's what he wants to do but and like he doesn't want to be known as a sample guy post gray album even though the greatest thing he ever did as a producer was dm and gemini the album he did before the gray album back in 2003 or whatever uh, that was amazing, by the way. Which also kind of explains why the Good, Bad, and the Queen was actually a lot better than most of it, because Damon Albarn definitely doesn't stick to just a very pure rock and roll style. Absolutely, right. Now, JC, you were going to say something about Modern Guild. Um, you know, going off what you were saying about it, about the it being sort of weak, quote-unquote, at the start, yeah. I mean, uh, that's my big problem with it. it. It sort of failed to make an impression on me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it's an album that I definitely I, had to discover later on, even though I bought it. And, and even though we're kind of probably about to put it low, I think it was actually kind of an underappreciated album. I know we said like mm-hmm. it's not perfect, but I think that like some people like thought like at the time. I think certain reviewers put through it out like, "Oh, Beck, he's not, he's not coming back. We've yeah. lost him." Especially if you weren't in, it's like if you were one of those people who weren't in on the information. Yeah, you might have thought that, "Oh, well, Bex is not recovering," but I think there was still. 
I, I still think you guys are insane that, that the information <laughs> is in number 10. Completely <laughs> <laughs> insane. Yeah. Okay, so... JC will get a sweet revenge so later. We, I'm not worried. We agree I also it's... didn't like Star Wars, by the way. The, the entire Episode movie. 7. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for qualifying why, why that, by the way. Just, if you As, need another reason to hate this guy, there you go. We'll just... Our podcast has its first villain now, so... Uh... So does that mean we put that Modern Guilt at number 9? Or do we putting Modern Guilt above... I... Is it Wero or Modern Guilt or... I would put Wero above Modern Guilt by a hair. Yeah. By a hair. Hair. By I yeah oh I yeah. I definitely put it above modern guilt where else so we okay. got all right cool so should we are we okay with that number eight and number nine modern... all right cool so... I think it's also I love our, our it's it's so no no none of us want to settle yeah set, say any Beck albums like the lowest of the low like right. so just so held such held held in such high regard that the idea of saying it it's number eleven it's at the bottom is very excruciating you're right exactly so morning phase is our number eleven the information number ten despite protest number nine is modern guilt number eight is Wero. so guys what we have left is stereopathic soul manure mellow gold one foot in the grave odelay mutations midnight vultures and sea change mellow gold mellow gold is I it? agree I got it but I'm sorry at this point now mellow like it, it's, it's just well I'm beat I mean I would I, I would be I would be a jerk and say sea change but I'm beat you're listen if you ask, I, thought after, I, I thought I was going to be before, rough on sea before, change before that sentence before that sentence I would have been a little bit more sympathetic to this mellow gold thing but after that sentence fuck off no mellow gold <laughs> JC and I have locked it in mellow gold is going at number oh. seven um, okay, well, let's briefly, before we uh, apparently talk about the divisive sea change, uh, we also need to throw out here that um, there's stereopathic soul manure and one foot in the grave. Now, JC, you had a recent experience with, again, this series of skits and sketches that is stereopathic soul manure. Well, as any hardcore Beck fan would tell you, Beck's, and we all are. Uh, Beck's origins, really, were as an outsider mm-hmm. artist. Yeah. Um, and I think stereopathic soul manure actually is is you know very reflective of those origins mm-hmm. and if you're into you know fucking weirdo weirdos <laughs> making music in their sauce, weird, yeah. yeah weirdos making music in their you know basement or whatever kind of music bedroom music as i call it um oh, i so think i think stereopathic soul manure is actually um very um you know fits very well within that Genre, if you will, yeah. or subgenre of outsider art. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's an important part of the Beck, you know, sort of evolution. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that stayed with him, and and that's also around the time that he started writing songs like Pink Noise, Rock Me on the Dais. Uh, also, like I think it's also just so I mean, it's such a weird that icon- fucking record. That iconic sense of humor just is like is, is where it all starts. Like, but, but like just even like a, today was a fucked up day. It's just like in a weird way. It's like it's a really it's a very this thing. It's it's very basic. Just him clanking at a guitar yeah. over like this horrible horrible fidelity recording. But that's kind of like what it's all about. Like if you want to talk about like uh, like pay no mind, like the chorus for pay no mind or. Um, or fucking with my head, like the weird simplicity of all the Beck songs. Like one thing, so the, the thing about almost every Beck song, especially in later parts about like Odalite, it it's typically a bunch of very simple parts that come out to form something seemingly very complex. But if you strip it down, you'd find that guitar riffs are very maybe like four to five notes. There is very economic. And they're as economic as he can try and get it. And I feel like these songs kind of represent the sparsity that he's so faint that he that he just that he just made his career off of. Mm-hmm. Even though it's really simple lo fi recordings, there's it's everything kind of starts, I think, from like the the place in his heart that these songs are recorded in. Yeah. Now that being said, I think that uh, because stereopathic soul manure is so all over the place, because we have you know interludes and sketches and very few actual songs uh, in here, which I think is one of the bigger things. Like I can appreciate it for what it is. I at the same time for me, I have to put this at number six personally because after we've laid waste to modern guilt, Wero and mellow gold, uh, I mean it's I think it's a, as a document, it's fascinating one. I, I and I use so many of those songs as interludes on so many mix CDs to confuse people, and it makes me very happy to do that. But that's like that's the some of the larger things I call out of it. Also, Satan gave me a talk about the greatest thing he ever did in his life. Uh, <laughs> it, I mean, do do you want to retroactively slip it underneath Wero or? 
I mean, listen, we already decided on these right here. I'm okay with throwing it at, at six. At I think six. it should stay at yeah. Of all the remaining albums, I think uh, it should yeah. definitely be okay. six. I think it's a surprise. I mean, or here's six, the thing, six, six. guys. We put Stereopathic Soul Manure <laughs> with has songs like "Today Has Been a Fucked Up Day" and "Jägermeister Pie." Uh, <laughs> we put that at number six above "Mellow Gold Wero Modern Guilt Information Money Face." And there's and I think there's a reason to that too. I think you should listen to it. You may not agree, but I also think as an outsider document. It is fascinating. And I think it's also when you think of him as a whole, there's some weird thing about those songs it's so that, definitively like, still... back. Yeah. yeah. Like, even though it may not your go-to, be your go-to thing it's to show back. people, yeah. I think every the con- everything I've conceptualized is back when I think of his body as a whole. Like, yeah. includes... The weird techno interludes, other things like that. Like, everything that he did can be traced back, more so than even Mellow Gold, can be traced back to Stereopathic mm-hmm. Absolutely. Soul Absolutely. I'm willing to go ahead and go it's with back that. Raw. So next we get some... Guys, we're down to the top five right now okay so let's just recap one foot in the grave odelay mutations midnight vultures and sea change are our top five the question is where do we rank i feel pretty good about that top five I thought, that's, that's, a, that's a very and it's weird because it's like we got rid of the albums before it and all the albums after it this is kind of like golden era uh, golden era back right if here. you want to if you want to consider pr- princes of the 80s <laughs> uh, Beck's the 90s yeah. or if you want to say print all the princess stuff was the 80s yeah Beck this is Beck's 90s albums yeah yeah that's pretty I mean except sea change but still yeah. we're, 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 we're classifying a little bit there yeah. um, Alyssa I mean 2002 is basically the 90s <laughs> 2002 <laughs> uh, fair uh, <laughs> so I mean I, I, I kind of want to see John Harvey what, what are you going to throw out here I know, I know. You guys aren't gonna like, probably like it. Well, actually, maybe you'll I like probably, it. I throw, I throw mutation, mutations in there. Yeah, done. Actually, I th- for actually, me. no, I think. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, we got, you got some protest. I'm willing to hear it. Um, Do you want to talk mutations before? Let's we get... absolutely talk mutations. Yeah. The album that JC rightly pointed out, uh, Geffen plucked from Beck's hands after he was planning to release it. Per that indie label record bullshit on his contract, uh, they made it a big. And it's weird because it sounds. In terms of like acoustic sad boy albums, it sounds nothing like One Foot in the Grave. At all, absolutely not. It is well, way better produced. produced. Well, also all those. Well, One Foot in the Grave is it's just basically Beck and occasionally co-producer Calvin. I'm blanking on the the last name. It's the king of the slacker blues singers. But also, what makes what nineties? What makes Mutations also very different, especially from all those nineties Beck albums, uh, is just how it's all recorded live. Uh, mm-hmm. Compared to that, whereas uh, where Odalay is clearly almost entirely studio, uh, Midnight Vultures will have like some live drummers featuring Joey Warnaker, um, but like this one is just always the band, which mm-hmm. you typically won't find as much live on a Beck album. That's not a bad thing, but it's, yeah. it sets it apart. Well, and it's weird though because the two singles that came out of uh, Mutations feel like the giant misnomers that were out there because this album is basically a man and a guitar, essentially. That's just what the essence of Mutations is. But then you have this lush, mournful, beautiful ballad called Nobody's Fault But My Own. Uh, and then you also have Tropicalia, which is the exactly second, what it sounds like. The third or second single? It was the second, second single, because I would fucking remember him from doing that on SNL, that, uh, which is which is a very interesting... Oh, what's interesting about that, yeah. even though it's like all kind of in the country territory, like if one foot is folk, I think Mutations is more in the line of country. A little bit, yeah. But like old school, like yeah. very... very uh, Like outlaw country. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so... Uh, and even for that, it's still amazingly different from song to song. Like you like uh, you get one of my favorite Beck songs ever. Um, sing it again. So sing it again. To... There we go. Like you got like this span, like this like the Spanish guitar, like this different type of ballad going from Bottle of Blues, which is a very kind of honky tonky, and also into Diamond Bollocks, the the entire outlier of the album track. Which fun which fact about fun fact about that. Uh, he, him and Night producer, Radiohead producer Nigel Godrick was also the, was producer of Mutations. Uh-huh. Uh, him and Beck were going to were going to try and make an album tonally similar, in the same sonic realm as Diamond Bollocks, like a whole six track album. And of course, they never got back. Of to course, it. why? And why? I'm not surprised by that. But for me, he, for me, when it comes down to our number five slot, 
it's really a debate for me between Odalay and One Foot in the Grave. They're very uh, like I number think, five. Odalay. Odalay number. That's no, right. No, my Mutation. apologies. Mutations and One <laughs> Foot in the Grave. Spoiler alert. Sorry, <laughs> guys. Freudian. Uh, no, but because uh, One Foot in the Grave and Odalay, they're very different, and I feel like One Foot in the Grave. Well, we talked about how stereopathic soul manure is kind of the you know template. You can trace everything back there. One Foot in the Grave is just like. I feel like it's his proof of concept, as it were, because, like, this is when he first started making attempts at songs, and I agree with you on the point where, like, we've got some actual soul in some of these mm-hmm. places, too. We're like, because you think about Asshole, you think about oh, yeah, Force yeah. Field is a Girl, great fucking song. Girl of My Dreams. Up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, was some, there was some quality-ass shit on there. Now, the question is, for me, I think that those songs by themselves are actually a little bit better, a little bit uh, stronger. I, I like I like Painted Eyelids a lot. Painted Eyelids is also one of my favorite back ones. Um, yeah. I, uh... No, I. One foot in the grave is actually in my top three. One foot in my. One foot in the grave is actually one of my favorite albums just ever. I've listened to that more, more than any, more than any other Beck album, just because of how you can do it with any. Right. I'm pretty torn between Mutations and One Foot for for number five. In some way, I mean, I feel like I listen to Mutations a lot more. Okay. In some ways, and it's I, a more. Is, is there a reason I, why you think you listen to that one more? Probably just because of the the variety. Okay. I, I think there's more variety sonically mm-hmm. than I mean one foot. I mean, you know, like I said, it's basically, you know, king, king of the slacker blues. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm just I'm I'm just a big a big fan of the dystopian tone that comes with almost every song on One Foot in the Grave. It's what, like even well, Painted Eyelids is specifically a song about wandering a a wasteland, but all but uh things like Force Field and Hollow Log, it, it all sounds like a like it all sounds like Beck. Like I just like the idea of yeah. Beck wandering through his own like you like a wasteland landscape almost. Yeah. yeah, there's this there's a tighter like concept to it. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of those things where I feel like honestly, when it comes down, especially when we're talking about four and five, I feel like those two albums are just so close to each other tonally um, that it's like it's a matter of which one is better. And I think that I I revisit One Foot in the Grave songs more than I do Mutation songs personally. That's just me, but I'm in the same boat, JC. Um, I mean, it's a real close call. I personally would probably put Mutations higher, okay. but if you were gonna put it at number five, you're not. You're not. I'm just happy it's in the top five. Yeah, honestly, yeah. the fact that like the information, I, I'm blown so. away. I'm still blown away. Stereopathic Soul Manure made it to where it did, but hey, that's, that's, too. Yeah, that's, that's, that was. <laughs> I I thought that was. I didn't. I, I didn't even think it was gonna break the ten. Yeah, but. <laughs> Of 11. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this. I mean, I think this is fantastic. Okay, in that case, if we're all relatively okay with that mutation. I thought I was going to have to put in tons more work to get one foot in the grave in the t- I. I mean, it's one, of, and that's the reason why we wanted to do this podcast in the first place, because it's just a fascinating journey of, like, what does make the cut? And keep in mind, now, at this point, we've talked a lot about one foot in the grave. We have not talked about Odelay, Midnight Vultures, or Sea Change. Uh, it's, uh, all albums that are different and unique in their own own ways. Um, let's just kind of get into it before we decide on our number four here. Um, Odelay, one of the greatest albums in all of history. Let's just oh, get that out absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to deny that ever. Maybe, maybe My the, favorite maybe the album best album ever. in the 90s. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, because up there. I remember because actually uh, our usual co-host Taryn, I gave I, I gave he wanted to get into Beck, so I gave him all this stuff, and he, they started listening to Odelay, and he was like live chatting me while he's listening to it. It's like, hey, this is actually pretty good. And then like a few minutes later, maybe the best album ever? Question mark because he was just it was blown away. It's it's one of those things where you can do kind of random song interludes or like random changes there, but everything on Odelay for all of its pulling from all disparate genres and places feels so deliberate. No two songs are the same, but they all are so clearly back. I think it's also that's where he got that's where he be, he gained his fame for the genre bending, where you will find yeah. he will play a he will play like a Bob Dylan y folk riff over a hip hop dr- over a hip hop drum sample or yeah. like an eight oh eight. Uh, like with like with like Sonic Youth esque noise yeah. wailing from a guitar in the back and some sample of some nineteen forties soul group or whatever. Yeah. In the background. Yeah, and I feel like Odelay when you think about Beck the first thing you think about is the Odelay sound. Mm-hmm. That's, yes. that's the one thing. Because he was so iconic and he was so identifying. It's, it's the quintessential Beck right. album. I mean, it made him, and, in the sense, I mean, you know, before Odelay, he was a one-hit wonder in a lot of ways. I mean, for, yeah. for most yeah, people. Legit, legit. Um, they knew you Loser, know, loser and, that's and that's it. But that was the album that, that yeah, cemented his, his sort of place in 
music history. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, which kept him from, which, before everybody thought he's a one-hit wonder, and then you're like, oh, no, he, he follows that up with the best album ever. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. but no, like I, what, I, like I said before, this is a, I love that it's just all these really simple parts. Like, uh, what blew my mind and actually even got me into just playing guitar, because I didn't even know you could make a song this easy, that the, op- that the opening riff to Devil's Haircut is just, it's just E, E, A, E, it's, it's e, all open. E, A, D, E, E, A, D. Yep. You can play it with one hand. You don't need a left, you don't only need one hand to play that riff. And it's a riff so, it's one of those, it's one of those rare, rare riffs that when you hear it, when you hear three seconds of the song, you know exactly what you're listening to. Mm-hmm. One of the best uh, qualities I think you can have. Say, okay, a great midnight, album opener for midnight. sure. Uh, and now, similarly, Midnight Vultures uh, was unlike the Dust Brothers. He kind of produced. He produced himself this very, very Prince-inspired techno, futuristic, throwback, soul funk, sexcapade of an album, which is just so fucking good. Um, I think about a song like Sex Laws as arguably one of the greatest singles he ever released in all of history. Uh, it was bizarre, it was it was crazy, but then he also, I mean, he threw enough weird in there, but also threw up enough uh, heart in there as well. Deborah is I, Deb- the greatest Deborah's Prince song Prince never wrote. Also, uh, Deborah has one of my favorite, uh, is one of my favorite back line, uh, just towards the end. I think... Lady, step inside my Hyundai. Maybe one of the most honestly weird, like, uncoolly cool, sexy yeah. lines you could have. It's honest. It's like, okay, you know, got all these rappers that are like, oh, you get get in my get in my Mercedes, Lex, get, yeah. get all these cars. And that's like, I, for me, like, that's what I love how cool that makes me feel in a weird. Because like, if you're like poor, if you're born as yeah. broke as Beck was back in the yeah. day, like, like I just get, get it. There's, there's a re- there's representation for us <laughs> for us people that are just driving right. shitty cars. The idea that like, hey, yeah. step inside my Hyundai. Uh, also, uh, Nick, I mean nicotine and gravy. She looks so Israeli. He looks milk and honey is a great trip. Yeah, one of my uh, amazing sample. Uh, can you t- uh, oh, so also some some of the best weird like Soviet samples across there. Can <laughs> yeah. you tell me how to get to the Soviet embassy? <laughs> uh, there's I mean all and even then like pressure zone was fun as well. Like there's kind of like the broken train milk and honey beautiful way. That's kind of a a little bit of a drag down but not too much even for I me love, because so I, much. I love milk and honey. Yeah. Love it. No, love but it. also did you, Johnny Marr of the Smiths fame yeah. plays guitar in milk and honey. Beth Thornton sings on broken train. Uh, beautiful ways. Also, Hollywood uh, Get Real Paid is just one of the funnest things he uh, ever did. Uh, yeah. That techno kind of crowd also, work. Also, this is when uh, I think he starts, when when you start to learn about Beck's love for uh, designer jeans. Lots of Sergio <laughs> Valente shout-outs. <laughs> uh, and I feel like, because you got to keep in mind, Beck has been nominated for Alma of the Year uh, three times at the Grammys. Uh, and th- th- although he won for Morning Phase, as we discussed, which is weird, uh, I feel like mid- the fact that he was nominated for both Odelay and Midnight Vulture speaks to something in mm-hmm. terms which of what... Which is surprising for Yeah, Midnight and the Vultures. fact that they knew what the fuck Midnight Vultures was yeah. is amazing. Because at the time, I don't think it was very well received. That was my first back album, by the way. Uh, that was the first... I remember I was actually... We were actually traveling. I was in California at the time, and I wound up just, like, at a store, like, I like that sax last song. And uh, I got it, and it just it just changed so much of my brain around. Do, do it was you guys remember if it... I mean, or know if it was... I don't think it was very well received. I, depend, I, th- I think it depends on who read it. I, like, I, I know I Pitchfork mean, gave it an 8.4. Yeah, okay. uh, no, but no. they... Uh, yeah. And a BN. Well, what I don't what think does that mean, anyways? Yeah. Uh, they uh, or was it a nine before? Who who cares? Who gives a shit? No, yeah. but like I think Nobody. it depends. I think certain certain people, the people that rated it well, rated it very well, and then it's kind of middle of the road for like your basic public yeah. consumption. Despite the fact that it has, I'd argue some of the best things he's ever done. Now, similarly, I want to kind of talk about the album he followed this up with. Sea change. Now we talked about Sadback, and I feel like this is peak Sadback because. When we heard mutations, that was like, oh, he's got a guitar. He's doing kind of countryist things. But uh, it's also not very personal. Sea change, the breakup that became as the second it dropped, it became an iconic breakup album for generation for a very good reason. He talked about when he did it prior to the album's release how he wanted he, he had strings all over the album, uh, which were uh, the string parts were written by his dad, and he talked about how he wanted you to feel the strings, which is why the strings are so loud and so predominant and all over the all over the mix. 
Uh, you think about songs like Paper Tiger. You think about uh, uh, Golden Age. You think about all these other things. It Lost is, Cause. It is such... Oh, God, Lost Cause. And even some of the more popular moments, like uh, Sunday Sun or Side of the Road, it is just such a gorgeous, lush powerful experience and people didn't realize that prior to all of his goofy weird shit that he was doing people and even though there were hints and mutations definitely with uh nobody's fault but my own but also and kind of to a degree in one foot in the grave no one knew he had this much soul in him and i feel like when you think about the fact that everyone started covering golden age like the flaming lips and all these other people started covering it shortly thereafter the second that a pop song when it drops you start seeing all the covers start appearing usually is kind of a that's the best representation for me of the fact that something has started breaching the culture in a larger way and i feel like this this was an album where he it just became so much bigger and so much deeper and nuanced than anything he had done before i tried seeing him on a solo tour he was doing in salt lake city utah but he had to have a credit card to get tickets and i had money i didn't have a credit card at the time so i drove to the venue and tried talking to the people to get into the venue because i had cash and they wouldn't let me in and i was very and that was that tour was that that was, that was the flaming lips backing uh, and yes. that was that was actually a different tour because i oh. had i was opening i was the lead in a musical that opened the night after uh, that wasn't they, the puppets tour, was it? No, that no, that was uh, I can't that was the information tour. tour yeah, I feel like, but it was just it was just a random tour where uh, then the and Flaming see. Lips were opening and then were the backing band for Beck, and so I didn't see that, and it's probably good because the uh, when I did the opening performance of that, the lead actress she uh, kind of hurt her leg a little bit uh, during the uh, actual opening performance there in front of a high uh, gymnasium full of uh, sixth graders. So I would have blamed the show if I had seen that if I went there. So that was it was one of those good good not good kind of things that happened. They, so, uh, yeah. Which I think it's kind of funny because I guess, I guess the Lips weren't the biggest fan of that tour with Beck. Really? Yeah, I remember yeah. them saying about that Wayne got in trouble for making a comment because somebody, like... He called yeah. him prissy. Interesting. He's like, I've heard, put on your own jeans, Beck. <laughs> uh, it's one of my, one of my yeah. the stray quotes I'm remembering. But I remember he, in an interview with Stephen Drozd, he said that, like, they imagined... When they got, when they talked about it, he imagined it, they'd be like buddying up and they'd be jamming after shows and doing all this stuff. And I guess it was very work. Yeah. And like they got done. He's like, here's the songs, come out. Which yeah, yeah. Hey, remember the time they interviewed uh, Wayne Klein? Yeah, that was that was that was amazing. That was awesome. <laughs> I just want to drop that out there. Hey, all right. So anyway, so these are the back kind to of, the list. Back to the list here. So as such, when we talk about so set, what was number four. Well, here's the thing. So we were talking about Odelay and Midnight Vultures are kind of the pinnacle Beck sound. Uh, One Foot in the Grave and Sea Change, less so One Foot in the Grave, but are kind of the sad Beck sound. Um, I don't understand how he can put anything but One Foot in the Grave on number four. I'm not going to win it, so I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, it's... Okay. uh, Yeah. All right, so there's... Well, I mean, at this point, I'm just debating personal preference. I think Sea Change definitely has the cultural impact above... Sea Change is a much more accomplished record yeah so guys number one two and three go top three Ole, midnight vultures and sea change i mean i'm you already know what i'm putting up (laughs) (laughs) jc what do you what do we put at number three oh sea change definitely Okay. Yeah, like I said, I mean, sad back is is a back that i personally prefer in smaller doses my my Um, uh, sorry sir you know I, I just think, you know, Odelay and Midnight Vultures are, you know, better records. Yeah. I mean, if I, you know, was going to a desert island, I would, I would be wanting to, I would be wanting to party to Midnight Vultures and not to, you know, hang myself to sea change, let's put it that way. Um, I, I, my personal opinion, From a coconut and, tree. Uh, and I'll, I'll have you guys tell me I'm wrong, uh, I just find, my, my personal, I find, my opinion is that, uh, Delete all this. Uh, sea changes is the fir- it's very front loaded for me at least in terms of my favorite songs and they're like I love the first I love the first half of that song and the second half is good too but I just I'm totally blown away by the first six songs and then I feel like I'm not blown away until the closing track again on sea change yeah no I think that's fair I think it just comes down now to midnight vultures versus Odelay. and even <laughs> honestly. My and this is controversial, and I want to hear debates and other things. There, I would put Midnight Vultures at number one. 
I mean, I wouldn't tell you you're wrong. I just, I just couldn't agree, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the summation of the podcast right there. I couldn't tell you you're wrong. I just don't agree. Uh, that's, and that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, because honestly, it, I mean, keep in mind, we're debating number one and number two, and we're down to Odelay and Midnight Vultures. This isn't, this yeah. isn't unfun for anyone. This is the delightful debate. I, well, I guess, I guess the question is, uh, are we debating our favorite Beck albums, or are we debating the best Beck album? I mean, because I think, honestly... Is it all subjective, be- or are we trying here's to... The th- here's the thing, though. You know? When we think about best, our personal influences come out there. Usually, when we when I did the when I do the film podcast, we usually come down to, like, number one and two. I, we usually go down to the, what album do you want to put on right now? Or what film do you want to put on right now? And I kind of feel that same way about this. Odelay is great. I feel like... Midnight Vultures just gives me a little bit something that I don't need, and I'm not saying that necessarily that necessarily that you know Odelay is a downer or anything. Uh, but after exploring that space so many times in my headphones and knowing all those nuances, and still to this day being surprised by it, Midnight Vultures still I always hear something new on that that I've never heard before. Where Beck just he went in the studio and he just put his fucking weird, crazy, fucked up, perpetual boner neon soul in there. Uh, and it just came up with something completely different. But I'm, I'm willing oh, to his, I think mag- it's, his magnolia in some also... ways. <laughs> well, I, well, also, the thing you're debating yeah. is, is that, like, also, you're debating that Midnight Vultures is the perfected recording and mixing technique and, like, writing technique yeah. of, of Odelay. Like, Odelay, it's very rough. You, you can't oh, but there, there's an appeal to that, too. There's, yeah, yeah. It's part of it. It's part of it. Yeah. what makes it it. And then what comes with Midnight Vultures, everything he spent three years learning how to do in a studio for Odelay, like, he can, he just perfected it on there. So, like, it's similar techniques. It's just, uh, just what, what are you looking for when you listen to that? It's, yeah. Well, so, John, John, what's your? I mean, I'm going Odelay number one. I can't, I can't. It's my, it's my favorite album of all time, of all time. Of all and, time. Yeah. And I think I could. And that aside, I still think there's tons of reasons why I could debate till the end of time. It's the best album ever. Yeah. So it's down to me, huh? I think so. Which is great. Which is fantastic. So, JC, I want to put this out there. If you could just kind of verbally walk us through your thought process here when it comes down to deciding if it's between Midnight Vultures. Or Odelay. Well, here's the way I feel about it. All right. Midnight Vultures, without... I listen to Midnight Vultures more than any other Beck album. You know, I, I love the funk. Yeah. I, I agree you with you. I agree with you that I always hear something new. I mean, and that's, and that's saying a lot considering Odelay, I mean, you know, in terms of its production, is incredibly layered. That he outdid himself in that regard with Midnight Vultures. At the same time, I feel like, you know, going back to the Desert Island, you know, analogy, I feel like I would be robbing the world of Odelay if I decided to, you know, if I decided to to take Midnight Vultures to the island uh, instead. No matter, you know, how much fun I would have dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh god, this is this is awful. This is like your this Sophie's is, Choice moment. Right now. This, 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 this is the Sophie. Sophie, Sophie ain't got shit on me. This, this is this is this is brutal. Um, my personal favorite is Midnight Vultures, but if we're if we're rating the the best Beck albums, it, I Odelay is is one of the greatest albums of the '90s. One of the greatest albums ever made. It's it's his masterpiece. In my opinion, um, "Sissy Neck" is my favorite Beck song. Yeah. So <laughs> that came on. So right? I think. Uh, All right. I what think is, we have it. So, Evan, what is we, your, we, your favorite your favorite Beck song before we do the? What you? Same game. Taco, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's fucking amazing, though. God. Oh, don't throw that question yeah, at yeah. me. I'm, I'm, don't I'm, throw I'm, that I'm, question at I'm me. I'm self-reflecting, oh. and now I'm having a panic oh. attack trying to think of Damn. my own answer. Motherfucker. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, Motherfucker is your favorite no, person. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ is. You know that. Um, I, it's, for me, the ones that immediately come to mind when you ask me this question are Paper Tiger, um, Nobody's Fault But My Own, uh, Sex Laws, Deborah. Uh, all, yeah. <laughs> all of Odelay, I want to say, but probably New Pollution, uh, Beer Can. 
Those are, these are ones that all immediately jump to mind when I, I think some, about somewhere I, somewhere between Devil's Haircut, Deborah. Um, he's a mighty good leader. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm not even. Yes! I'm not uh, even really. No, you're totally yeah, right. It's, it's a mighty great one. one. Yeah. Um, and and, me a taco and uh, new new pollution and. Uh, Another one. Oh, guess I'm doing fine. Oh shit! Fuck, that's a great one too. Yeah. So if I if I had to choose, just and this is just right now in this podcast, which I know will live longer than I did, but um, I would say, uh, I I'm just gonna go with Deborah. Deb- I don't know. I, I think Deborah's my second favorite. Deborah's yeah. like if Pet I want to show somebody, like I think if I don't just show them Odalay, I'll probably show them Deborah. Well, I have a feeling people have an idea of what Beck is, and you hear this beautiful falsetto. I bet you, JC Penny, like that is. <laughs> <Reginate too. laughs> also, the, I mean, I remember putting this, I remember putting this on a mix CD for my mom, and uh, and I remember she was like, "Well, honey, I really like the song. It's just the lyrics are just very odd. You know, it's she wants to do a sister too." Like you know, I don't. I'm like no, it's the whole exactly. Uh, I'm dude, suburban Casanova, Hanson. Just I, dude, I, dude, his lyrics are so much, too many funny lyrics, too right. many really amazing. And I feel like, in, although it's funny in Deborah, it's still weirdly soulful. Yeah, it's, it's, well, like yeah. I said, it's honest. Like when you, even though it's like, even though it's like hilariously kind of dumb line saying. Lady, step inside my Hyundai. Yeah. It's from a real place. Right. It's from a... When he takes you to the Zanku chicken. (laughs) (laughs) So, so guys, uh, if you wanted to start... If you, for some reason, had no idea what Beck is, A, why are you listening to this podcast? If you somehow have no idea what Beck is and you got to this part and were like, where do I start? We would go with our trilogy of Sissy Neck, Deborah... And Devil's Haircut. New Pollution. Or New Pollution. One of the two. Devil's well, Devil's Pollution. Devil's Pollution. New Haircut. Uh, <laughs> go to those, and that'll give you the but exact But there's songs idea. like Minus and Novocaine, and where does it end? It I doesn't know. end, Evan. I know. I think I'm in love, honestly, is probably another one I'd have to put on there, too. And I really enjoy that. Go listen to the information, I'm telling you. All right. So, guys, uh, I, I, since we just released this, I clearly obviously know what format we're posing this on. Yeah. Guys, if, if, if there, please leave comments below and let us know what your ranking is. Let JC know. Tell us why we're wrong. Right. Yeah. Let us know we're Tell wrong. Tell JC why he's wrong. Because that's what I want to know, yeah. most of all. He will, he will fight you with the knife. <laughs> uh, it'll be fantastic. But hey, this is the Chartographers. Thank you so much for listening. And we're going to go head out. See you next time. One of my favorite Beck songs ever, um, uh, what? I'm, I can remember. The, how can I, I can only remember the solo. And if it's meant some accident, you better cut this from the thing. <laughs> I will murder you if you don't right. cut. It.